Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmmaking Sucks podcast. Where we tell you about all the mistakes you can make when producing your own film and how to avoid them. And Yeah, good enough. <laughs> That'll do. And who are you? I'm Lindsay. I'm Manny. Hi, Manny. Hi. <laughs> We're your hosts. We're on a little bit of a low energy day today. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Um, but we didn't want to give you guys another week where we weren't around. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of reasons why we weren't, why we haven't been around. Uh, one of them being that um, I had a hard drive crash. Hard drive crashed. Hard drive crashed. Yes. It was uh, probably my oldest hard drive at this point, uh, which is really not that old comparatively to the other stuff we've had. But um, like we said, our hard drives seem to last about the ex- about the length of one feature film. <laughs> our computer, computer lasts about a hard, No, hard drives, about, hard drives are about the same. Yeah. About the same lifespan. I think that hard drive... Uh, about three years. No. That one, and I ride my hard drives pretty, pretty rough. So, yeah, I get about three years out of that. Lost a lot, and I didn't lose. Actually, no, I don't think I lost much at all. Um, so pretty much when we open up our Amazon wish list, you know, when people want to buy us presents, hard drives, hard drives. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but unfortunately, that one had a lot of the files from. Had the podcast files on it. Yep. Had all the podcast files yep. and um, poster art. And- post lots of our all of our poster art, uh, scripts, some backup video files. The old to the the literally every episode from the last two podcasts. This was just my like scratch disc for the most part. So this this is where I did my work. Yeah. And and then things would sit there until it was time to work on another project. Right. So once a week, I touched the hard drive, you know, unless I had some poster art to do or something, and then I do it again. But um, listen, when we tell you that we are no budget filmmakers, we're not lying. (laughs) Backing up, backing up is so important, but it's it's, so it gets so expensive. It's duct tape, bubble gum, and hope, people. Yeah. So that's where my low energy comes from. This week of dealing with that, and. Is it my turn? It's your turn. It's my turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I already announced it. I can't remember now. But yes. I wrote and directed my first short film, Sons Film School. Yup, yours. All by myself. I mean, I did direct and write the brain people with you and Louie. But this is all me. Yep, it's all your idea. This is your script. This was Everything was yours. Yeah. So we've been... Uh, Pulling that together, getting it polished, the mm-hmm. edit, and then we sent that off to Brandon Boone. Brandon Boone, the musician. From doing music. the No Sleep Podcast. No Sleep Podcast fame. Who we love. Yes. Love, love. And uh, he did an incredible, amazing, mind-blowing, <laughs> I can't describe anymore how incredible this thing is. The music is so perfect. It actually captured everything that was inside my head that I didn't know was playing inside my head. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I like how directing and insanity ride this very close <laughs> line. <laughs> There's something in your head. You didn't even know it was there, but there it, it is. There, but but somehow all of a sudden somebody else found a way to, 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 to do it. Good. Yeah. Good. So we got that. Um, 
Yeah, we sent that off to him last week and uh, been kind of giving him notes a little bit here and there and talking about it with him for the past week. Um, we sent it off to our color grader, Dave Geshman, who's going to handle that. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time our listeners hear this, it'll be done. It'll be done? Yes. We're, this it is, will be done. It is Sunday that we're recording this, and this episode will go up on Wednesday. Um, Brandon will be sending me the stem files of the music tonight. So I can drop them all. And we have a rough cut of the solid piece as one solid um, rendering. But um, I need to arrange it. So uh, he's got to give me the stem files. Um, it turns out when you do like minor adjustments and cuts. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me, for those people who haven't actually, who haven't worked with something like this, this before. You didn't know this either. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So Brandon is writing. He basically, you know, he puts the video in his, in his, in his window and he opens up his programs. He's got all his keyboards and everything set up and he plays live to like the old school movies. Yeah. Yeah. He plays live to it, but with keyboards now you do it all in layers. So as a musician, you need to have some, some understanding of music theory and how, Certain things go together and certain things don't. Uh, he goes through all his different sound banks and um, literally layers the music out one one piece at a time. So uh, the stem files are the individual layers. So, um, so each, he like, used violins. He used yes. He he used violins. He used piano. Uh, he's got a droning sound under there. He's got some low frequency spots in there. Uh, he's got a couple of little things here and there. And every, every layer is a different stem. Okay? And those stems, when put together, form the full tree, which is the complete composition from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. All right? Uh, and then he gives me cues, Gives me cue files as well, which is a single note here and a single note there for a certain moment. Just boom, it does that. Yeah, it just happens at that once or twice. Right. And what happens is now when he gives me all these individual stem files, um, let's I'm gonna pick a couple numbers out of the top of top of my head. Let's say we got five five stems and three three cues. Okay. Okay. The stems. Uh, I'm not sure how he's going to render them, but generally this is the way we've done it, is each stem is the length of the entire video. Right. Okay? So all I've got to do... Oh, so it's, it's all the, the piano that's used through the entire thing. In one... In one stem. In one solid long file. Right. Yes. And then all the violins in their own solid long file. So what's going to happen is I'm going to layer them under the video. Okay? okay, and the moments where there's no violins playing, it's just a blank audio file. There's no sound in it. Okay, once I put them all together, they're all going to be the same length of the of the video, on top of each other, layered, not back to back, layered, layered. Um, and it'll sound like a complete, a full symphony, That's a so full cool. composition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then you get now, the cues. Then I get the cues, which are just certain spots. You want a sound here and a sound there just to accent certain things that happen. Like this doesn't pop up more than once or twice. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has to be perfect to the cut of yeah. it. 
And sometimes when you're playing live, you miss it. You miss the cue. So rather than going back and trying to hit the right moment over and over and over again until he gets the right sound just at the cut, instead of doing that, he just gives me five seconds of that one sound. And then I can drop it in exactly where we need it because I can drag it forward and back. As, and then you would line up the other ones? And then, no, the, line, the others are already lined up. Okay. The others are lined up. That's what I'm saying. Okay. It's a nine minute and 58 second. This 50, is just to make sure nine that, minutes that and the proper 53 moment is, is, is emphasized. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, I can rearrange those as well, too, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I can just trim them and move it back and forth. Now, we gave him a 10 minute and 45 second file. Right. Since then, we've decided to trim it down below 10. So he's scoring to a 10 minute 10 minute 40 almost 11 minute movie right and now i'm going to be arranging for a movie that's nine minutes 53 seconds Mm -hmm. so i'm going to have to trim some of his stuff here and there right now there's a good portion in the middle about three minutes in the middle where there is no music playing so that makes it real easy chop that right out right take all those blank spots out and then i just move it over as i need to oh that's cool yeah uh, and then when it comes to those cues that you want at certain spots, again, rather than him going through the thing and trying to time it right at that moment, no. he just gives me the sound and then I can drop it in exactly where we need it to be. Right. And, it, and it's there. Right. And the accent is, is exactly where it has to be. Okay. So, um, and I think we're going to do an episode on this more in length. Yes. Yes. Well, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a musician. We'll do an episode about... Composing, Working. composing yeah. for shorts and things like that, and maybe we'll get Brandon on the show. That would be cool. We give give Brandon a call, see if he's. Because I mean, it's really it's something that I've never experienced. He's always edited it, edited it without me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So your this is your this is your first time actually sitting watching how, yeah. and you you still haven't seen it because right now all I have is the full yes is the full uh, composition, mm-hmm. all the music on one layer. In a solid piece. Right. So you're not actually, you like, as we're putting it together, you're telling me, <laughs> you said to me, well, why don't thing. we do this? Why don't we do, well, well, how about this comes in a little sooner? And I say, okay, don't worry, I can do that. Yeah. Well, well we got to tell Brandon. No, I don't have to tell Brandon. No, because it's already there. I'm going to be the one, I'm going to sit there with the arrangement, pick it apart. And if it's got to come in, if it's got, if the, if the violin, timing, timing, we can, we can if the violin, timing. yes, if the violin has to start five seconds sooner then all I do is move it back, right. you know, and then I find another piece and I loop it. Now that's the, that's the benefit of a lot of these, uh, the benefit of classic composition, which is what this is. That's apparently what is, I wanted and I didn't yes. know it. Um, you have things like violins. Hmm? Violins are long and droning, and they like you know. Hmm? You can loop it a little easier. Right. You can take the violin and layer it on top of each other, and they're going to blend in. There's no drums where you have to follow a beat. Right. There's none of that sort of thing. So the audience doesn't notice. And the we, loop. Our, most of our music is without drums, mm. right? For the most part, yes. I don't use drums until, I generally don't use drums until the finales. Right. When I need your heart to pump and I need to really l- pound it into the audience. That's, right. I save the drums till the end of the movie. So the lack of, the lack of drums actually increases the power of the drums. Yes, yes. That's it makes cool. them more powerful. Yeah. I did Blood Slaughter and Theta States, both of them. 
there's I think there's no I know for Theta States there's no drums until the ending yeah. other than the two songs that play in the movie right and um, that's for Blood Slaughter Theta States I don't think there's any drums until the ending as well cool yeah there's no drums so again something that we can definitely get into more but you were saying yeah. the violins blend together yeah that's that's it's easy to blend these things together because of the types of instruments you're using now right. if you're using things like drums you have to follow a beat mm-hmm. you have to follow a four beat structure right and if you lose those beats the audience notices and they don't know that you lost the beats and it just you sounds can change weird the entire mood of, of of the scene it it sounds weird and they don't know why right because they're not counting the beats and no. bopping their head along to it with the movie. But it's a natural thing that you know most music is exactly most music will be by four four bar structure, generally. I was going to say four four, and then I was like, yes, yeah, yes, that's right. Yeah, I was remembering my my middle school. Yeah, band most aid. music is a four four structure, right? And people recognize that, so it gets them into it. But but in a movie, you're not sitting there bound, bopping your no. head along with it because it's, it's not, not a, a music song. Video. <laughs> exactly, it's not a song. If you alter that four beat structure in the middle just to trim something down it becomes really difficult right because first it's hard to do it and um if it's not done properly the audience will notice without noticing yeah it'll just sound weird it'll jar them yeah that's one way of saying it yeah it could jar them it just sounds bad and they don't know and they can't put their finger on why it sounds bad it just and they're not even consciously thinking it sounds bad yeah it's just they're reacting to it exactly their reaction just comes off negative like they just didn't like it something seemed off right uh now this isn't to say that you can't do it you obviously can do this Mm -hmm. it just has to be done right right it has to be done the right way and has to be written that way right um but a smart director who has no budget <laughs> will probably just make the decision to go without drums. Yes. Yes, because it's easier to it's easier to arrange it without a, without drums. Yeah. And again, I, again, it's it's all about the mood. Do you need drums? Now, a lot of the time, uh, uh, no budget films, you'll get a friend who has a band and you'll use some of their music in it, and that's fine. But then it turns your scenes into music videos. Right. If you remove the vocals. And you remove the drums, mm. you have music. Yes. And you can, so. That's the difference between music and the song. Yes. Yes. Uh, 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 a lot of the music in Theta was songs. Yeah. They were, they had no vocals, but they were instrumental pieces. Right. And they all had drums. Right. And I liked it. He, he even said he didn't understand how it was going to work. And, and I told him, give me all the stem files and I'm going to take the drums out of it. And I took the drums out and put it in, and it sounded completely different. Yeah. And he realized, holy shit. And he without had, the drums, they sounded like a score. Yeah. And he actually released, after that, an album without drums at all. Mm-hmm. Of all the tracks that he removed the drums for me for. Yeah. From. He removed the drums from them for me. Yeah. And yeah, he did his own album, sent, sent out a whole new a separate album called No Drums. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, that... That's kind of, one of those weird things that I have never done before. So as the director now, yeah. um, it was definitely interesting to try and explain what I wanted from music. Because yeah. it's not like you shoot something and something's in your head. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe some people do. I'm not that musically inclined. But somehow, Brandon... For me it is. When yeah. I'm shooting, I, I, I kind of know the sound of the music when I'm shooting it. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, know I don't I, work like well, that. Well, because I wrote it that way, too. Yeah. Especially when I wrote it, I wrote it to a soundtrack. I had music on a playlist when I was writing, so I already had a feeling 
Yeah. And it's really funny. I don't know how many posts on Facebook I've gotten into the conversation with different people in the last couple of days, all asking the same thing. Do you write to music as writers? Do you put a playlist of music on? or Do you normally do I this? I write to music too. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine not writing to music. Yeah, because it gets you, it gives you a mood. Yeah, it was actually like really weird. Like part of the writing this was like... Uh, for some reason, my brain, I was playing around on Spotify and my brain was like, hey, remember this band that we used to listen to when you were like 14? Mm-hmm. Let's go check this band out again. And it was like listening to old music. Yeah. From my, you know, it unlocked something in my brain. Mm-hmm. And my brain just spit out an idea. <laughs> it was like, okay, let's do this. It unlocked an idea from that angry part of your life. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Well, it did. The dark time. <laughs> well, not a dark time, but a time it was. It was music you listened to when yeah. you were a teenager. Yeah, and everybody's an angry teenager. Yeah, we're all angry, bitter teenagers. Yeah, we're all angsty and angry. Yes, angst is just goes hand in hand with being a teenager. And you listen to the music that you listened to when you were an angsty teenager. Yeah, and as a result of that, this idea came from that, from yeah. putting yourself back in the mindset of being an angsty teenager, yeah. and you made a movie about a girl and her boyfriend who betrays her. Yeah. And her getting her revenge on him. Yep. Which is really pretty much everybody's entire teenage, teenage years, years is just <laughs> having a having a crappy relationship and wanting to get revenge on this person who screwed you over. Yeah. That's, or revenge the hurt that you've yes, you suffered. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Make yourself feel better from this person who yeah. hurt you or wronged you in some way or form. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So... And that's what happened. That's what, that's pretty. That's exactly what you did. Yeah, but it was amazing. I mean, with the questions that you were able to ask me, like what instruments do I like, and um, you know, we came back with pianos and classicals, where really that came from. Um, and then we started talking about movies that I liked, and we said trick or treat. Yep. And uh, yeah. we gave that that kind of his notes to Brandon, and he somehow came back with what was exactly playing in my head. Mm-hmm. Without it actually playing in my head. It was because you were able to specify the sound you were looking for. Yeah. And I told him we were looking for traditional horror, mu- horror music. And he said, that's my favorite. I love doing that stuff. And I've, I had a feeling because I know we know his music. We know what he sounds like. I know what he does. Um, he does he does do some of that, uh, that, that newer retro wave style, that John Carpenter inspired Yes. Music as well, but that's not your style. No. That's my style. That, <laughs> yeah. That's I like that stuff. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to that sort of thing, I can be very, very specific. Yes. And um, to me, that all sounds like a robot. Fine, fine. You wanted more traditional, and yep. you wanted, like you said, whimsical. Mm-hmm. So I told him, if you want inspiration, listen to the Trick or Treat soundtrack and go in that direction. Yeah. And he spent the whole day listening to the trick or treat soundtrack over and over and just listening and picking apart what they were using the types of sounds they yeah. and the types of sounds they used the pacing the the the, the effects the patches that they used whatever and, and trick or treat was a really great reference i think now that i think more and more on it um because i think it captures the whimsy it, it captures the supernatural entering the real world yep. and um it's whimsical in some ways. It's mm-hmm. light. It's whimsical and whimsy. Whimsy and whimsical. Whimsically whimsy. It's light. Um, yeah. yeah, and he nailed it. Yeah. There was even a part where I where I said there was there's one there's one uh, sound he uses in it that it sounded a lot like it reminded me of Creepshow too. Mm. It reminded me of the raft 
And dolls. I, this is perfect. You said it reminded you of dolls. dolls. Some of the, the, the bear, the theme yeah. that he created for yeah. it reminds you of dolls. And that's more or less the direction we were going in. And, and he get, yeah. sent it. It was like, this is absolutely perfect. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, I mean, that just goes when you're working with experienced um, people in general. People in general, you know, there there is, I don't know, an unspoken language. I don't know. But, but it's it's interesting. It was really... I've never done this before. I think even for film school, it's because kind of like, I like this song. Yeah. Now we can't put any of these on YouTube because we <laughs> just use songs that I liked. Yeah. Um, but I've never worked with a composer before. Um, and, you know, I did kind of work via, through you. But, um, yeah, yeah it, was, it was definitely a new collaboration mm-hmm. that was um, incredible to experience. And you had fun doing it? I had a blast. That's all that matters. <laughs> you had fun and you're happy with the final product. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so that's going to bring us to the next topic then. Right. The actual topic. The actual topic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're having We've a conversation. We've touched on it a bit. We've touched on it a bit. Yeah. We're having a conversation with, some, with, with another filmmaker friend of ours. And um, he's working on a new short right now. Mm-hmm. And the topic, the conversation we were having was he was... He was getting feed. He's been getting feedback on his last short, yeah, from, from film, film festivals, festivals. Mm-hmm. and a lot of the feedback that he's getting is rather well, pointed, huh? <laughs> rather pointed in his direction. Rather pointed, well, yeah. It's saying we think you should have done this, or you could have done that. You could have, you could have, you, 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 and he was wondering why they kept saying him. Yeah. Why you? What, what do you mean me? Why should I have done this? I didn't write the music. Yeah. I, I didn't, didn't film this. I didn't. I wasn't the cameraman. I wasn't the editor. I was the director. And we said to him, but you're, you're the, the director. director. <laughs> and as the director, it's your job to oversee everything, every bit of the production. Yeah. You know, if they say, if you send to a film festival and a film festival says, well, we really think you should have had more of this type of camera work. We really think your camera work should have been a little steadier. Mm-hmm. But as a director, it was your choice to shoot handheld. Right. You don't say to them, and I'm not saying he did. No. But as a result of being handheld, you're going to get shakier camera work. You're not going to get that steady no. look. And if they said, we think your camera work should have been a little steadier. Yeah. You know, you maybe should have had some more steady shots and still shots. Yeah. And he says, well, I wasn't the cameraman. That doesn't work because no, it was you lie. as the director. It was your choice to shoot handheld. Yeah. You allowed it okay? to happen. Now, no, you chose it. And you chose it. You chose it, yeah. it and they're not happy and they, they just didn't like it for that reason. And now you're going to say, well, no, the cameraman did that. Mm-hmm. That's being, that's a negligent director. Yeah. This isn't what he was doing. This was something along the lines of, well, we maybe you could have you could have edited a little bit tighter, or the music could have been a little stronger, or the camera work could have been a little bit better, you know, blah 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 blah, you yeah. know, and 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 somewhere somewhere along the line, he started saying, but this is the limitations of my camera guy. Yeah, I, you can't blame me for that, but yes, because you chose him as the cameraman. You chose to proceed without having the budget in place. To go with a more professional camera guy. Yes. You chose to go and without the budget of having a tripod or having a dolly or having, you know. Yeah. And we're not saying that you were wrong. No. For doing that. No. 
but those were your decisions and you need to stand behind them. Yep. You need to say, well, this was my cameraman and this is who I chose and I'm happy with the work he did. Now you don't have to argue back with the festival. No, no. this is their opinion. You say to yourself, you say that to yourself. No, I chose this. This is what, yeah, we did, and this is this was these are the and, decisions we made. And maybe next time I I will think a little harder yeah. before I make. You don't the have same to decision. even think a little harder. Yeah. You just say, "Well, they didn't like it. That too bad." I do. Yeah, I do like it, and you yeah. have to stand by your decisions as a director, right. which is why the director gets the gets the blame and the credit. and the credit. Yeah, because all these decisions as to who is on your set are the director's decision to make. Yeah. Um, on larger budgets, a lot of the time it's the producer's decision mm-hmm. because the producer is bringing in the money, but we're not talking about no. productions with money. No. Okay. We're doing the best we can with what we have. Yes. That's 99% of the time, best we can with what we got. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you truly believed you made it with the best that you could, all you put everything you had into it, then... That's all that matters. That's all, yeah. If you're getting feedback and you're saying, well, you're right, it could have been a little bit better, then maybe you, as the director, should have put a little bit more time into your work with the camera guy. Take your time shooting a little bit more. Take your time time working on that music. Mm -hmm. Take your time with the editor to get it exactly the way you want, even if it's not perfect, but it's the best. Like yeah. this is the best of what we shot yeah. and it's all in there. And it with what we have, it could not get any better. Yes. That's the point you need to get it to. Yes. That's that's, that's exactly the that's it. Job. That's yeah. the director's job to get it to the best point that it could be with what you had and what you had to work with. Right. And it could be anything. It could be your actors, it could be your art department, it could be yep. your camera, it could be your blood work, it could be Yeah. If you think if you're if a film festival says, "Well, your actors weren't very strong," And you say, well, that's not my fault. It absolutely is your fault yeah. because you chose those actors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you may think they had strong performances, in which case you need to stand behind your actors and yeah. say, I'm happy with the performance they gave me yeah. rather than saying, rather than trying to in your head or in argument, placing it on someone else. Yeah. You chose them to be there. Yeah. If they couldn't do the job you, you, you wanted them to do, <laughs> yes, exactly. You stood there on set while it was happening yeah. and you did nothing to fix it. Nope. So if you think they did a, a shoddy job acting or something and you just threw your hands up and said, look, they're, they're just not that very good, then maybe. I mean, I think, I think that's kind of the point that we're, that we're kind of trying Yeah, it's to kind make. of hard to. With him, it's, it, it, it's not that we're saying that, well, you know, his, he, he, it wasn't, the conversation that we had wasn't like, well, my camera guy was horrible and this yeah. and that. No, it, that wasn't the conversation we were having no, at no, all. No, 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 no. But he's very happy with, his, with yes, the product. Yes, And yes. he stands behind it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, as mm-hmm. a good director, that's what he, he should He just feels do. that they're blaming we're, him We're playing for... devil's advocate and yeah. playing out the other scenario where, um, you know, well, maybe the person really didn't stand behind and maybe they just, you know, were passive yeah. and didn't correct things and didn't make notes and didn't make adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's where that's where the assumptions lie. I mean, a lot of the time, film festivals uh, notes are are also are very subjective. You know, and you can't take everything to heart, and you can't take it as fact. Like if if one film festival says one thing, another film festival two weeks later will say something completely different. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So but when you're sending to film festivals and all of the negativity 
not negativity, but the feedback yeah. from them mm-hmm. are pretty much centered around the same thing. Yeah. Then, all right, maybe that's something you need, you need to, to work on, on for the next one. Yes, that's something you need to work on for the next one. Yeah. You know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying go back and cut everything and change no. it and fix it and everything because it just takes forever. You're never going to finish your film that way, yeah. especially on a feature. That's it. Maybe you oh. do. Maybe you do one or two cuts. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean physical cuts. I mean like one or two, once or twice, you go back into the movie through the course of your festival run, trim this down, make trim adjust- that down. Adjustments. Maybe you make some adjustments. Say, you know what? Like we did with Blood Slaughter. Yeah. There was a couple of scenes that I really liked, and I thought that they added a lot. But some, but most of the feedback said they're just kind of slow. Yeah. It's a good scene, but it's slow and it's dull. It slows and it drags down the momentum in. of the movie. So, all right, you know what? Take it up. Take it out. Yeah. And uh, when we first released Blood Slaughter, it was two hours and five minutes. <laughs> Yes, it was two hours, five minutes, and by the end of the festival run, by the time we were ready to distribute, it was an hour 53. So over the course of that year, I cut 12 minutes out of the movie. Mm -hmm. And people still feel... It's too long. That it's too long. This should have been 90 minutes. And I say, no, no. And I'm going to stand behind my movie at that. I, no, no. I, I, I don't think that I can trim it down any more than it is. Yeah. This is the way I want it. And my personal... Personally, my ideal cut of Blood Slaughter is like two hours, 15 minutes. Yeah. That's my ideal cut. But that's also with the best camera work that I could imagine and the best sound that I can imagine with the best actors I could imagine. If I had a million dollar budget, my cut of Blood Slaughter would be two hours and 15 minutes because I could have, have, exactly, I'd have the resources, I'd have the resources to make the movie itself look and sound perfect. Right. Where the length of the movie doesn't draw your eye to the downfalls of it, to the, right. to the lack of budget. Right. The fact that we had shoddy sound just droned on through the course of the film because it's just so long of a movie. Now you're sitting through two hours of bad sound. Yeah. If you're sitting through two Which hours of good painful. sound, exactly, it becomes, it becomes difficult to sit through it. So as a director, that's my choice. I'm not cutting it any more than an hour 53. I'm just not doing it because I think that the story suffers. Period. I think I mean, the story suffers. the point where you, you can't keep looking back on something. No, you, no. Like I said, there's so many subjective opinions and, you know, you can't, you can't please everybody and if you keep going back to cut it and cut it and cut it, you're never going to move on to the next project. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where we're going with like his thing was, why are they blaming me? Yeah. You know, well, there's a camera guy here. Why isn't it the cameraman's fault? Because you're the director and you hired him. Mm-hmm. But there's an actor in the scene. If they don't like his performance, why are they blaming me? Because you're the director and it's your job to guide their performance. Yeah. If they didn't like the music, why are they blaming you? Because you chose the musician. Mm-hmm. Because you chose the editor. Yeah. You chose your DP. You chose your sound guy. You chose everyone. Mm-hmm. So it is on your back. It's just like any other job. Yeah. Okay? The regional manager yeah. of it's, a it's, company it's not is blamed. that gets in exactly. trouble. It's the exactly. manager. Yes, yes. When the owners of the company come down and look at the look at the store that you're working in, they don't talk to the individual stock boys and the <laughs> truck guys and and the you know and the people unloading and the people do they don't talk no. to them as to what the problem is. They talk to the manager because yeah. it's the manager's job to make sure they're doing their job. Right. And as a director, it is your job to make sure everyone else is doing theirs. Mm-hmm. And if something comes out on set that's not up to the way you wanted it to be and you don't correct it, well, then it's your fault. Yeah. They can't fix a problem that they don't know exists. Yeah. Okay? Um, so when it comes to things like special effects, if your effects artist is being lazy mm-hmm. and just 
kind of phoning it in. All right, it looks cool, but it's not everything you wanted. And you just kind of, all right, you know what? That's what they did. Good enough. And it doesn't look good when it's done. Like, damn, I wish we got this. I wish we got, damn it. Damn it. Why didn't we do this on set? It's your fault. You can't look at the effects artist and say, why didn't you do this? The effects artist say, well, you didn't tell me to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's that's the key point where it's... um, You have to tell everybody. Everybody's a cog in the machine. Yes. You know, they're all doing their part. And, you know, and it doesn't even have to be that somebody was negligent or somebody was being no, lazy no, or somebody no, I'm was just, having a I'm, bad day. This is the extreme. Yeah. yeah, no, it's absolutely extreme. But, I mean, in, in the most boring scenario, not the worst case scenario, but the most boring scenario, I guess, the, I don't know. Um, everybody is a cog in a machine. Everybody is doing one, one little part, and they're doing their, their, their part the best that they can. Yeah. Um, the director is the one that's overseeing all of the parts coming together, yep. you know, and the director has to have that vision. Um, so for example, if you're shooting like an effects scene, you know, it, it, it's not just on the effects guy. It's the effects guy who, who has to get the effect off. Yep. It's the actor that has to sell it. It's the cameraman that has to actually get Shoot it. it right. Yep. Cameraman, camera woman. I apologize. It's your camera that your DP that has to shoot it properly. Yep. Um, it's your sound that has to, Record, record the sound correctly. It's your lighting person that has to yeah. has to light it properly. Yeah, and then it's, it's your editor, it's that, your editor that puts it. it all together. Yeah, it's the composer, mm. you know, who's going to create the music and and the mood that leads into yeah. it and leads Fold, away from it. Foley person is going to do the sound effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all of that, and your colorist who's going to make it look good is going to yeah. color the proper. It's all parts of it, and as the director, it's your job to make sure that they're all working in unison. Yes, to one cohesive product, mm-hmm. one cohesive final yeah. film. Yeah. That's your job as the director yeah. from beginning to end of the movie. And it's your job to communicate your vision yeah. is number one, to have the vision. Number two, to communicate the vision to the yeah. other hands that are creating it in collaboration mm-hmm. with you. I, I could say, I can say on Theta States, there were a few things that I just didn't communicate properly. Mm-hmm. I had it in my head and I didn't know how to get it out. Yeah. Uh, so instead of doing what we what we've done in the past where you sit and ask me a hundred questions to try to figure out what it is I'm seeing in my head that I can't verbalize. Yeah. I kept it all in my head and I said, we get to set, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And, and I listened to you. Yeah. And, and I agreed to it. Yeah. So and, and 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 not that it came out bad. No. But there were ideas I had that we never even got to. Yeah. Because it wasn't it wasn't in down. the script. It wasn't in it the wasn't, shot list. Yep. It wasn't. It wasn't in any of the forms of communication that yeah. you have. With none your of it crew. was there. None of it was written down. None of it was planned out. None of it was there. So at the end of the day, when she's ading, she's looking at. Okay, we got everything you wanted. Those ideas that I had in my head three weeks ago, mm-hmm. I've already forgotten them because yeah. I'm just wondering. Okay, well, we're well, you're we're, just trying to get through the day. Yeah, we're trying to finish, make sure we got everything that's in there. Yeah, you know, and and. Again, I'm not disappointed in the movie at all. I love no, the film. No. I think it's I think it's great. I love everything that we did. But in there's it. definitely some creative. But um, there's some points in it where I say, "Damn, I wish we did this, and yeah. I wish we did that. I wish that I had written it out. I wish that I had planned it out because I wanted something to be a little more fleshed out mm-hmm. than it was. Whether or not it would work in its benefit, we'll never know. No. But that's another point of it too, where we're filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Um. Audience sees things differently. The audience doesn't look at your film at what could have been. Yeah. You do. 
Yeah. Nobody walks out of Lord of the Rings and says, man, I really wish we had more orcs. <laughs> and Peter Jackson looks at it and goes, you're right. Damn, I always wanted more orcs. Yeah. You know, if I had those two extra trees that I really wanted, nobody's saying no. if they had two more trees, that would have been great. That would have been it. That, that's what it needed. Nobody is saying that. You know, if they had one more explosion yeah. at, the, at the gate of Mordor, yeah. it would have been perfect. Maybe that's what Peter Jackson yeah. is looking at it, saying, I wish audience, we had that one The audience has no more. idea what could have been, what exactly. should have been. It has no idea exactly. what, it, what wound up on the editing room floor it goes or wound back up to, in the in the true recycling bin on your computer. Yeah. They have no it idea. It goes back to what we said uh, about shooting a, shooting a foot chase instead of a car chase. If you yeah. can't afford a car chase, shoot it on foot. Yeah. Because the audience doesn't know it was supposed to be a car chase. Mm. They're not going to sit there and watch, watch the two actors running down the street and doing this amazing scene saying, you know, that would have been so much better, better if, if they, they were, were in cars. cars. They're not looking at the film like that. Only no. you are. Yeah. So you got to remember that people aren't looking at what's not there. They're looking at what is there yeah. and they're judging based on what is there. Mm. Um, so you can't think of it in that way of we're missing so much because you're never going to want to finish the movie. No. You're never going to finish it. I look at it and I still say, I wish we did this. I wish we did that. Yeah. I had a couple of shots that I specifically wanted and we just never got to them. Mm-hmm. The audience doesn't know it's missing. No. They don't know that it was supposed to be in there. So I don't have to worry about people giving me hell over that. I just have to worry about them giving me hell over what is there yeah. and whether that looks good. Yeah, now. if there's something lacking from what yeah. is there. Yes. And the director has to understand mm-hmm. how to use the best of what is there yeah. rather than trying to imply something that isn't there. Especially with this no budget. You have no money. You can't imply That was that really good quote that I love that I already shared. I think I shared it on Facebook this week. Um, If you don't have the best of everything, you have to make... Make the best of everything. Make the best of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what you do. Yeah. And this is why the director gets the praise and the blame. When something's wrong in the movie, it's because the director allowed it to happen. Yeah. It's the director's vision. And it's the director's job to get his vision translated the best that he can. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes down to the people you hire, people who, well, I mean, let's, who you let's, work with. Let's break it all down then. Like okay. in the, when in pre-production. Uh-huh. I think one of the biggest things that directors have um, that they need to do. Time in pre-production. Time. Time in pre-production. Pre-production, please, please, please. Pre-production. Please. I know you've heard me say this like a hundred times. Let's put it this way. Jordan Peele keeps talking. Jordan Peele has said it took him five years to write Get Out. Right. Five years to write that movie. Okay? And that didn't cost him a dime to spend five years perfecting that script. Making that story perfect. Yeah. Took him five years to do it. So don't think that you have to get your movie out now. You don't. Yeah, sometimes we're idiots and we're just going to like run into a 48-hour film challenge. We do that because we enjoy it. We enjoy it. We're doing that for fun. We're doing it for the challenge of it. And I think that's the biggest step one. Yeah, but we're also not walking out with a 48 out of of a 48-hour festival expecting to make the best film we've ever made. We're not expecting gold. No, we're just we're going for the challenge. Like, hey, let's do this. Let's have some fun and just shoot. And I think that's that's what you need to understand. The very first decision that as a director you need to make is well, number one, I'm going to make this. Um, number two, you've already made that decision. You're going to make. You made that decision. Number two, why are you going to make yes. this? What is the purpose? What is the of purpose? This film? Is it going to go on YouTube? Yeah. Is and it we going don't to go mean, to film we festival? Don't mean, yeah, exactly. I don't mean the existential purpose of no. the movie. <laughs> that's your problem. Yeah, please don't no. go on a life journey trying to find the answer to that yes. one. You, that's an unnecessary step in pre-production. Yeah. The life journey, spirit guide, is not required. No. 
Um, what is the purpose of the film? What are you doing with it? Yeah. Are you, is this a show piece? Is this a YouTube piece? Is it for film festivals? Is it a particular film festival? Is it a specific film festival? Exactly. Like, you know what? I have this, there's this festival in town that I go to or I see all the time and I'd love to have a movie there. Yeah. They I'd may love not to even play have their... a horror category. Yeah, I mean, you know, they whatever, may... whatever they do, whatever yeah, it, it is. If you're if you're making it for a specific festival, yeah. if you're making it for a specific purpose, um, you know, so understand it, what they what that festival programs. Yeah, and gear your film toward them, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, one big problem I have with a lot of people, especially a lot of the indie guys, is this nonsense that they all pump into each other about selling out yeah. and the us against them, yeah. us against the system. Yeah. Look at these movies made without Hollywood. Like people, There's you, us against Hollywood. Oh, I got into, I, I got into movies for fame and fortune. That's not. <laughs> huh. 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 Mm. Huh. I'm sorry. I just had to say that. Yeah. If you got into making films to be rich, you're Turn in the wrong. Turn off this podcast now. You're, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong business. This yes. is. The 1% of 1% makes it rich. Turn off, turn off this podcast. You grab a skateboard, a firecracker, and a bunch of your friends who are and, just going to yeah. record and, you doing the stupidest thing you've ever done in your life. And stick, it, stick a new video on YouTube and, two, three, and two, three times a week. And go viral on YouTube. That's yeah. it. Just and, keep and going until you either Monetize your videos or go viral. And, that's exactly. it. Do some stupid shit on YouTube and you can, you can get rich faster. Mm-hmm. Doing stupid things. Playing video games. Yeah. You can get rich on YouTube playing video games. And recording the screen faster than you can get rich making films. Yeah. Okay? If that's all your purpose is to get rich, just don't bother with films. Okay? Because, yeah, Steven Spielberg's a millionaire. But he still does this because he loves it. Yep. He got into it because he loves it. Yep. He didn't start this in this business he, he as a millionaire. With a, with a non-working mechanical shark in the hottest summer in history for yeah. the sheer joy of it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And he makes <laughs> movies now not because he needs the money. No. He does it because he wants to and he loves he to. he has a reason. Spielberg and his grandchildren can live the rest of their lives and never work a day. Mm-hmm. He's got enough money. So can George Lucas. So can uh, uh, James Cameron and Michael Bay. Okay? I don't care what you think of these guys. They do it because they love it. Okay? They make money with their films because they are afforded the budget. Yes. And it's not their money. If Steven Spielberg was going to put $150 million of his own money into a movie, that means, number one, he can afford it. Yeah. Because he can't afford it. Yeah. He's not going to care about getting the money back at that point. It's about making the movie 100% everything he wants. Yeah, they're, they're the not executive producing short, like independent films. Like some of them do. They're not funneling money into, yeah. you know, because but the they're going to get rich off why, of it. The question is, if Steven Spielberg can afford to make, his, to make a movie for $150 million out of his own pocket, why doesn't he? Because Steven Spielberg, that's stupid. Not even that it's stupid. Forget that. Because fuck it, you. If you're worth all that much money, it's you know what, Mike. My, you know, you say that's stupid. Rob Zombie's worth thirty-five million dollars, forty million dollars. Yeah. Why did he have to crowdfund three million? Okay, I don't agree with that. But we, I, I don't agree with it. One hundred fifty million dollars of your own money. Only an idiot is going to put that up. You're right. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Sorry. Well, that's a grand scale. <laughs> Fine. Okay. All right. All right. Splitting hairs over if here. If you're worth Jesus thirty-five Christ. million and you can't afford a million bucks for the, for the vision that you want to bring to life, then and you're going to ask your fans to pay for it, then 
I agree. But why is Rob Zombie going to production companies to try to get $3 million when he has it in his pocket? Yeah. Why is he doing that? Because he's not a production company. He's not a distribution company. Rob Zombie alone cannot take his movie and send it to theaters and get them to play it. His name will get them to play it, but he needs a company to sell it to someone. And that's why these guys don't put their own money into the movies. Because while Get Out was uh, three or four, four and a half million was the budget. Mm -hmm. It was a $30 million marketing budget. Yeah. 4.5 million to make it, 30 million to sell it. Yeah, most marketing budgets are 10 times the actual production budget. Uh, not 10 times, but... But, I mean, on an independent scale. On yes. the independent scale, most independent films have about 10 times. Yeah. So, $4.5 million to make it, $30 million to sell it. And it made... It's, it is the most profitable film of the year right now. Yeah. That and Split yeah. are the most profitable films of the year. This report just came out. Yeah, well, it's because Hollywood Split was made profit. for Split was made for $9 million and also had about $30 million in marketing. Yeah. Okay, and forget the profit. profit. Forget that air quotes. No, no, it's the most profitable film because the two of them only they spent under forty five million dollars, right. and they each made two or three hundred million. Yeah, that's why they're the most profitable. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, is one point four billion dollars. It's made already, but it had a hundred and eighty million dollar budget. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So it's only made six or seven times its budget back. Get Out has made 30 times its budget. Yes. That's why it's the most profitable. Right. Because they got the biggest return from the least, from the lowest investment. Yeah. This is, we're getting off topic. We really are. We're getting off topic. It doesn't matter though. It doesn't matter though. Uh, uh, The point, back to the the Get Out. Why are you making the film? Why are you making the film? Yes. Why are you making the film? If you're making the film to get rich, just just, just quit. Just, just quit. Don't. Right. Just like, give up right now. Just give up. Don't bother. But if you do wind up rich, we all do this. Remember it, your it's the icing on the making yes. sucks. <laughs> if you wind up rich, is the icing on the cake. Yeah. Then you can continue to do this because you love it. Yes. Because now you can afford to do it yeah. because you love it. Yeah. Even Walt Disney has that famous quote. You know, we don't make movies to make money. We make movies so that we, we can make, make money to no, make more movies. We, yes, we don't. <laughs> Blah. What did you just say? We don't make, <laughs> make movies, movies to, to make, make money. money. We make movies to make more movies. We make... Try again. <laughs> we don't make movies to make money. Right. We make money, money to, to make, make movies. Movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Walt Disney said that, folks. Yes. Third time's a charm. And third time while, is absolutely a charm. Third time's a charm. Exactly. <laughs> and while Walt Disney is the king of advertising, yes. there's a reason why he's the king of advertising. He knew you had to make money in order to make the movies. Yep. Okay? He didn't create the Disney legacy that's going to live on for God knows how long for his own ego. Yeah. He didn't do it because, hey, I want to be rich. He did it because he loved it. He had a vision. He wanted to bring the vision to life. Yes. He wanted to have an amusement park with he his... He wanted people... He wanted, he wanted children, just like Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Wanted children to enjoy his creation. He wanted children to have things for tr- that were made for children. That were made for them. Yes. Yeah. It was made specifically for them, and he wanted to be able to get it to them. Yeah, and even, let them. even Jim Henson. Jim Henson made things, made things for children that challenged their understanding so that they mm-hmm. could learn morality tales. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they could learn and have lessons in yeah. something. And that's why they make these things. They love it. But why are you making your film yes. now? What is the purpose of your film? You know, and, and say you want a particular, you have a particular um, production company that you want to work with. You love what they do. You love every movie that they create. You know, there's nothing wrong in making a movie that you feel would fit their catalog. Yeah. That's building a relationship and that's an investment in the future. I mean, that's not what we're, we're not talking like you need to change the world with your movie. I'd love to work with Robert Rodriguez one day. Yeah. I have an idea that I think he would like a yeah. lot and I'm going to take my time getting this idea perfect. And perfect before you put it in front of and him. And one day, hopefully I can get it in front of him. Yeah. And I think, I honestly think he would love it. Yeah. I think it's right up his alley. In the types of films he makes, oh, God. the style. My, my life goal is one day I want to take something to the Henson Company. Mm -hmm. And I want a Henson puppet made of something that is inside yeah. my brain. And I am playing with a thousand ideas until I find yeah. a perfect one. You're not giving them beneath, though. No. You're not giving them this film. No. But this is the first step in your road toward yes. that. Yes. You're doing it in horror because this is what we do. We do horror I right love now. horror. But you want to work. You'd love to work for Henson. Yeah. I would, I would love to go into sci-fi and fantasy a little bit. I'm, yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah, so this Even is still, your first... Come on, I want to make a horror movie with puppets. Fuck, I really do. And this is your first step into that. <laughs> I want to make monster movies and puppets. Yeah. I want to have creatures, you know, and this is my first step into it. And it was... Got to start somewhere. Awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, I think even uh, Mike said it. Mike caught, caught me out of the corner of his eye during the, the big money shot. And I had my, my fingers inside my mouth and the biggest, stupidest grin on my face. <laughs> And Mike just like he loved it. Like yeah. he he was like that's that's why we do these things. Mm -hmm. That's why we work with this is you are the type of people I want to work with. The people who love what they are doing. Yeah. They get people to that who moment, are passionate they look at it and, and say just, wow. Yeah, I was like a little kid on Christmas morning when that happened. Like when that monster came, yeah. oh my god! And it and it made him proud to be part of this project because he had a director that loved it yeah. that much. That yeah. on set you couldn't contain your excitement. I couldn't. And that made him happy to be part. He's now I'm I'm so glad I did this because yeah. he knew he could be part of something that you loved so much I did. that you really wanted, and he could help you help create it. Life, yeah, you know, and that's what that's something you love to do. You like, and this I is why love. you're an AD and a yeah. and a producer because you love helping people bring their projects to life yes. and get it off the ground. I love making something out of nothing. Yes. I, I can't find, I cannot just think of anything that's more rewarding than literally making something out of nothing. Yeah. Like something that just starts as a spark as some crazy little thing inside your head. Um, a little whisper that a whisper of a voice that says something to you. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's like a 10 minute or half hour, even a fuck a feature film. It's 90 mm. minutes of something that was inside your head that is now out in the world. Yeah. That is you created from scratch. Incredible. You literally yes. created it. It didn't exist before you dreamt it up. No. And I mean, I think that's, you know, my, that's parents, why we make, that's one. That's why artists yeah. are artists. My parents were uh, not supportive at all of, of this life choice of mine. Years ago, years ago, years ago, years ago. Um, they are quite supportive. Now. They are quite supportive now. Um, but I think the, the first moment I ever saw my dad understand it, um, I was in college and I was a, a minor in theater and my theater professor wanted to give me something of a challenge. So she challenged me to create a play on Sylvia Plath, which amazing author and everybody should go and check her out because she's like this crazy 
wonderful poet. Yeah, when when she's um, performing next, go <laughs> find her books. <laughs> go seek her out on well, her next performance. Please buy tickets. Yes. Listen, if she has a next performance, I well, am so buying she, that ticket. Yes, I, I think everybody. <laughs> I think we all need to see that if she's got another performance. For those who do, who are not clued in, Sylvia Plath is quite dead. Yes. Um, stuck her head in an oven. Stuck right? her head in an oven and gassed herself. Um, <laughs> On her mother's birthday or something, something right? Something like that. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> her husband leaving her something. Um, I should know this, but I don't know. It was many, many years ago. Um, but literally, I spent an entire semester reading every Sylvia Plath poem out there and then literally Frankensteining them together to tell the story of her life through her own words. Um, and she, I was assigned three actors and... Um, we put on the, the play. I had to write a play in a semester's time. You performed it. I did. Um, actually, there was two actors in me. You're right. The third actor couldn't understand the words and dropped out. Um, so it was me and two other actors, and we actually performed this. And my professor owned a very small off-off-off-off-off-off-off-off-off-off-off Broadway theater in, like, Brooklyn by Coney Island, which is, you know, not even the same island as Manhattan. Um, but anyway... Um, and my parents came out for the event and we put on this play and my dad left me a 20 minute voicemail on their way home, mm. going home to in Jersey, the car. in the car, left me this heartbreakingly, devastatingly incredible voicemail of how he just never understood. And he actually had to see that I made something out of nothing that this thing didn't exist until I stepped in, I stepped up and I put it together and then I put it out there. He was blown away by that. And I, and I think that that moment shaped me as much as it shaped him. I don't know, in some weird way. But that was, the, that was how I won my dad over, is him literally experiencing what it is to have something magically happen. Like, and I think it's such a thing that we. I don't think he'd ever experienced creating something from scratch. Just like this is an idea you have, and you're going to make it come to life. He's never experienced. A lot of people don't get to experience that. You know, and many people, that's just not something that's in them. And Mm. there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody has their something that they're good at. You know, your your father's good with numbers. Oh, he's incredible with numbers. He's good with numbers. He's good at investments. He's good at this way that like yeah. And, three-dimensional, and, I don't understand. Exactly, and that's why he became a COO of a company. CFO. CFO, excuse me. He was the CFO of a company, and that's where he retired from. He yeah. did. He spent... He worked his way up He the spent mailroom. 40. Yeah, he spent 40 years mm-hmm. of his life working his way up through a company to become CFO uh, upon retirement. Yeah. And he was offered CEO, but he decided he wanted to retire. Yeah, he wanted to spend he time decided he wor- Yeah, he decided he'd spent enough time of his life working. Mm-hmm. And he'd made enough money. Yeah. He says, I, I'm, I'm happy. I've achieved enough in yeah. my life. I've done enough. And now it's time for me to live for me yeah. rather than someone else. Yeah. He came to understand that, you know, those jobs will suck the soul out of you if you let them. Yeah. <laughs> but he'd never experienced no. cre- creating something no. and bringing it to life. Like I said, this did not exist before you dreamt of it. Yeah. Before you thought it, it yeah. this 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 didn't exist. It came from you and only you. And there's and, and he, I don't think he's ever experienced that. Mm-hmm. I, I, most people don't, but everybody has their own thing. So there's no 
There's no judgments there. No, you know, no. everybody does what they do I mean, in their listen, own way. Some there people are people. awesome parents, and I do not have that in me. No, and there's I don't have the patience. I don't have. That's a lot of pressure shaping an entire human being for 18 years. That's no. Yeah. Mm. God bless you. And there are some people who are perfectly happy and content in their life being a garbage man. Yeah. Some people build that's like it. cars and, yeah. and and machines and stuff. Yeah. And that's everybody that's has awesome. something that they do. Everyone has something yeah. they do. This is what we do. Yeah. You know, as artists, we create our art. And I don't feel satisfied without it. Exactly. I don't know where we're going with this anymore. I don't either. <laughs> it all started with why are you making your movie? This is the whole existential thing that you said don't bother. <laughs> life crisis. The existential life crisis, crisis that's not important. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is important, I guess. Um, but, no, but no, know what you're doing with your film and where you're going with it. And that will help shape a lot of the decisions that you have to make. Yes. Um, if you're doing something for YouTube, but clearly you're not going to get a color correctionist. You're not going to hire a professional. Well, you can, but you can. it's not. Uh, I wouldn't advise it, but you could. If you're making a short film for the purpose of putting it on YouTube, then what you need to do is, since you're not going to, we're probably not going to be putting much money into it, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Yeah. Then what you do need to do is you need to research how you're going to shoot it and what you want it to look like. Yeah. Something we did uh, because I I'm not good at color correction mm-hmm. and we didn't have a color grader at all at mm-hmm. the time. So up until the la- up, up up until Theta States and Theta States included. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of research. Uh, the camera we had was we were shooting on Canon 60Ds, and they have color profiles like and most. A lot of all cameras do it. What is a color profile? You have a digital camera and you flip through and you see that part of the menu that says standard, portrait, landscape. You know, those are color profiles. Yeah. Those are changing how your camera, how the camera's sensor interprets the color that's coming through the lens. I did a lot of, I did research. Sort of like the filters on your phone. Yes. Yes. I did research into what I wanted the film to look like. The what? What is the final look of the film? Right. And I found the color presets, the color filters, or whatever that I can load into the camera. Hmm. So when I look into the camera on set, it's already a final look. Right. This is what the final movie is going to look like, and I'm shooting it with my final colors. And then all I have to do is do a little bit of balancing because sometimes things are a little too orange or a little too blue. Right. But. The colors are basically there, and that's all white balance is what I was was what I mean is the white balance. Sometimes it's a little off, you know. If you if you if you have and 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 you know what, when you're shooting on tight schedules, a lot of the time your white balance will be off, and you don't even notice it sometimes. Especially if you're shooting on these cameras and you have these little tiny screens, you know. Sometimes the color looks perfect, and then you get it up on your TV and it blows up, and you look at it and you're like, "Oh man, that's way more orange than it looked on my yeah you know on my screen." So you do some white balance, but the colors themselves are already in the camera, and it, and I know the final look. So maybe that's something that you want to look into. If you're not going to be doing post color correction and color uh, grading, figure out how to get your camera to give you the look you want while you're shooting it. Now you have a lot less options in post, but again, you're not going to be using those options anyway. So you can get it as close to finished as possible. So once you take it in and drop it into your file, into your uh, timeline, all you're doing is adjusting your white balance and sometimes your brightness and contrast just to keep things basic. Theta States was 80% done with the color. Mm -hmm. A couple of scenes, uh, we had to rebalance in post because the sun is moving and we're shooting outside. So some shots are brighter than others yeah. halfway through the shot. 
the sun came out halfway through the shot and I, I can't adjust that while the sun. Yeah, you can't no control your budget. You can't control that sun. You can't control the sun. The best way to do that is money. Yeah, money. You have to have somebody with uh, with a large diffuser yeah. to hold it over your actors I mean, to keep that sun from blowing out their screen. Diffusers that are the size of a wall, like they're, well, bigger they're than that. Yeah, ridiculous. Like yes. I've seen them in Manhattan. Yes, and they I block mean, out. Are they you, block out a good. 15 feet of light and the actors act underneath that so that yeah. even if the sun is moving around them mm-hmm. they stay evenly lit all the time and they know, they're never you, blown you out you get a studio and you actually build the set in studio and then you're in absolute control yeah yeah hell um, I, honestly looking at it looking at it now that's something I wish we had done for, for Beneath there was two or three shots that are mm-hmm. a little brighter than I like I wish and we had blocked out I, the windows I wish we had blocked it. out the windows and just controlled the light from, from the get go yeah you know um but when we started shooting, it was an overcast day. It was overcast in the morning. It was overcast all morning, yeah. except for about an hour. It was about an hour during the day where the clouds disappeared and the sun came pouring through those windows. Yeah. And it was just so overwhelming. We couldn't rebalance properly without knocking out. We just didn't have the equipment to do it because yeah. we weren't planning on doing it. Right. We, just, we didn't have it with us. Right. But again, this is one of the things that it's like, you know what? As a director... You had to make that decision, and yeah. we made the decision to just shoot. Just, just go with the just natural do it. light, yeah. Just go with the natural light. Use the sun to our advantage in some spots, okay? Um, but where was I going? I don't remember anymore. I don't know. Um, well, for example, brain people. Yeah. Um, brain people, you know, we, we love black and white old horror, yeah. you know, and we wanted to make something like that. And, you know, we went back and forth for a little bit where it's like, do we shoot in color and move the colors in post? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, and it was a little bit of a debate. But then, you know, what is the point of color shooting in color? When we just shoot in black and white. Yeah. If it's going to be stay in black and white, let it be in black and white, and then at least we're shooting in black and white For, to keep it black and white. We see what the look is going to look. Yeah. You know, sometimes colors, we're looking at it, shooting it, and you don't realize that certain colors are going to wash out and look the same mm-hmm. in black and white. Yeah. So we were able to get proper contrast within the shot mm-hmm. by shooting it in black and white and seeing it. And if something looked too, too gray and we wanted it to be blacker, mm-hmm. you know, then we can add more color. You know, what did yeah. we do with the, um, when she spit out the blood? Yeah. Um, we gave her grape juice. Yep. We gave her grape juice because we wanted it to be really dark. Yeah. If she had, if we had given her the, the red blood, mm-hmm. then it would have come out gray. Yep. And we would have shot it with red Yep. And then when we looked at it in post and said, damn it, it's just not dark enough. Yeah. Those are the sorts of decisions we made to say we're, we're going to shoot in black and white. And we looked at the red in the, in, in, the, in the camera and it just wasn't dark enough. Like we wanted this really black substance coming. We wanted this really dark blood to come out of her and it would have come out gray. Yeah, I mean, so we I, gave her grape juice and it came out black. Yeah. Brain people, I think, is a really great example where um, you know, we decided that we wanted to make it like a black and white old horror. Like it was shot back yeah. then. So we put the rules into place mm-hmm. where um, during the lab, we shot it as you would if you had one of those did it outside old, too. Yeah. We kept the camera on the tripod and they only moved back and forth. Yeah. We pretended we had those 400-pound cameras that yeah. couldn't be moved, yeah. that couldn't be thrown those on old, someone's like, shoulder. Those cameras. Yes. We shot it like a TV show would yeah, have Yeah, we shot it like then. a TV show would have been shot back then. And, and, and that thousand pound camera rigs that just don't move quickly and all they do is pivot yeah. they don't 
They don't crane from yeah. side to side. They pivot from side to side. And because we made that decision, um, you know, our actors acted more theatrical, where they were kind of trapped in one place and they could only go side to side. There was yeah. no real like up and up and you know it, it shaped everything every decision that we made yeah um from the blood to how the actors moved within within the scene um to the way we should we we even like did a lot of the art design mm-hmm. because we were keeping them to one stationary spot we only had to control that one like kind of stationary spot yeah we didn't move around a lot mm-hmm. so yeah i mean these are these are all decisions that you make in pre-production yeah you know um so I think being a director, it all starts in pre-production. I'm always going to say that everything starts in pre-production. And it does. Yeah. It and does. Th- your decisions that are made have to be made in pre-production. That way you can plan for the decisions that you're making. hmm Yeah. So it's pre-production. Okay. Production. Production. How long, how long are we in this episode? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think we kind of we started it out as what as what what a director's decisions are, and I think we kind of turned this story, this more into why are you making your film? Uh, well, no, I mean, I I think it's I mean that's that is what a director's number one question is. Why is he making the movie? Why are you making this movie, and how are you going to make this movie? And and it's all about your decisions, and it's all about the information that you feed people. Yeah. Um, it's. All of the information, everybody who's on your set should have the information that you're calling your decisions upon. Mm-hmm. You know, your reference materials, your um, inspirations, your crew and your cast should have them. Mm-hmm. Um, that way that they, they can join you in your same vision. Yeah. Um, and that's why the director gets all the blame and all the because yeah. it's, it's, it's coming from them. in the end it's in the end he makes the final call yeah well because he's coming from them it's coming it's from coming him. from him generally her. him her whomever it's coming from the director it's coming from them the di- it's the director's vision so if something is not right in the film it absolutely is the director's fault yeah you know and, and we're not if saying that you need to know everything you don't need to know everything you know would down to what lens your cameraman should, no, should not be no, using no no um, you, you just need to know who your camera guy is and who your camera, who your camera person is and what their capabilities are yeah you know, um, I've had people come to me and ask me to shoot things for them. And then I ask them, well, what are you looking for? And they give me, okay, well, we want this, 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 and that. And I say, I can't do that. Well, why not? Because I don't have the equipment you need to, to do that right, to do it correctly. Okay. Um, one of our other, one of our friends is making a, is making a short film, is making a short film right now. And he's using another one of our friends as a DP. He had sent him photos from the location mm-hmm. and the photos from the location were from the location's website because I think they rent out spaces okay like an know? event space or yes something yeah. like that uh, whatever it was yeah and uh, the photos on the location's website are all photos that they're using to showcase the size of the space right so they're making it seem bigger yes yes because they're trying to sell this to you right he sent the camera guy, that picture, and he said, I want this angle. I want, to, I want this. This is one of the shots I want. Yeah. And he said, well, I can't do that. And he said, why not? And he's like, well, because there's a specific lens that does this. And I, I don't know, not like a specific brand, but I don't have that lens. And he said, well, does, does this person length. have it? Does this per- No, it's width. Okay. No, it's a, it's a, wide, it's a super wide angle lens. Gotcha. And um, 
looking at the shot, he said, well, that's a professional, that's a professional lens. I said, he said to him, that's probably, it's a really expensive lens. Well, do we know anybody who has it? And he says, no. It's very expensive. And even if we did, even if we did, they're not letting us use it for free. You know, it's like, because if something happens to this lens, you're talking two, three thousand dollar lens. Right. They're not letting you use it for free. No. So that, that's just not happening. So he asked him if I, he said, well, do you think Manny has that? And he said, probably not. I'll ask him, but probably not. Right. And he called me and, and he gave me that whole story. And I said, <laughs> no, <laughs> he didn't even show me the picture. He didn't even show me the picture, but he said, well, it's on the place's website. I said, oh, so they use wide angles. That was my first reaction. Yeah. They used a wide angle lens. Right. They probably used a 14 millimeter or something, a 14 or or maybe a 12 millimeter to get it real nice and wide. So you see everything in one shot. Now, and, um, oh, it was a library. That's what it was. It was a library they were shooting in. So it was a library's website. So they were showing the whole library the in one... The stack of the books. Yeah, yes. how immense their collection is. Exactly, exactly. That's what it was. And he said, this is the shot he wants. I said, well, tell him he's got a pony up to rent the lens. Yeah. That's it. I said, I, I, yeah, I can't do that. I, can't, I don't have that type of lens. I don't have stuff like that. And he's like, oh, I know you didn't, but I told him I'd ask you. And hey, you know, he's like, I, you never know. Maybe you do have something like that. I said, yeah. because on top of that, not only do you want a wide lens... You want it to look good, yeah. which means you need a wide, fast lens. Right, and you need one that's not going to fisheye, right? Because it's wide eye, wide lens. You, you want an aspherical lens. Spherical. That's aspherical. Aspherical. You want aspherical, which aspherical is people. yes, which means that even though, like, well, like when you see a wide angle lens, you see everything kind of wet wobbles out at the yep. edges because get because it's you know, aspherical lenses don't wobble out; they stay flat. Right. It's a flat shot. So pretty much what we're talking about is like it has a little bit of a curve around the edges of of it. Almost just seems to curve. That's what normal wide angles do. This right. one doesn't curve. Got it. Yes, you want one that doesn't curve. Because when it does curve, then everything looks like you're looking through a peephole. Yeah. You know, especially with these super wide lenses. Right. So even even if our friend didn't actually get the lens that he needed, mm-hmm. um, he had the right people in place to explain that to him in a pre-production mode so that he could plan around it. Yes. Because if you get there on the day of and you're finding the information out then... Mm-hmm. It's too late. <laughs> yeah. Because the truth is, he's not a camera guy. No. So he, and like you said, he doesn't have to know this no, stuff. No, he just he has to the right, have the people the around right people him. In place. Yes, to tell him how to do this. Right. And the right people who can say yay or nay. And if you, then if you want that, then you need this. Mm-hmm. And that's, what, if you that's can't exactly get this, what I said to him. Then we need to plan around it. That's exactly what I said. I said, well, you want that lens, then you're going to have to rent it. And it's not going to be cheap to rent either. Right. You know, that's probably, that lens is probably going to cost you two, $300 to rent it for the day. Right. Huh. Easily, but it's like this. This, I mean, this. While it may sound like a negative story, it's actually a positive story, mm-hmm. reinforcing that if you have the right people around you, um, you will do better. Yes, yes. So that's why we say know what you're making the movie for. Yeah. What is the purpose of the film? Where yeah. is it going? And what is what? What are you looking to get out of the film? Mm-hmm. What are you looking to get out of this project? Yeah. And he and, and really that director had to make that choice about mm-hmm. that lens based on what he was going to make, the, where the movie was going, yep. and why he was making it. Yeah. And if he's making the film because, honestly, let's say... And no audience member is going to sit there and be like, oh, God, I really wish they had a wide shot of the, of the entire library stacks. Yeah. Because that's what this film was missing. Yeah. No, they don't <laughs> see it that way. No. But if he was making this movie because he wants to get into, like, Fantasia... Mm-hmm. 
then he's then then he's got to look at it and say, all you're, right. But you're playing with the big boys in Fantasia. Yes. Then he's going to look at this and say, all right, I got to rent that lens, hmm? you know, and I got to get the camera guy who knows how to use that lens and make sure I have the and proper gotta, rig for the camera, gotta, exactly. whatever it needs. Yes, and I need the I need the equipment for that camera. I need the right camera. I need everything that's going to make this perfect yeah. to get it into. Yeah. And, and 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 if you can't make Fantasia, then you set your sights a little lower. Well, that's but, that, but that's what I'm and, saying. And what is the purpose of yeah. it? If you can't get, if you feel like, well, I can't, I can't achieve Fantasia with the budget I have, then don't go for it. No. Don't try to do something you can't do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Lining I'm yourself not up for saying, disappointment and failure. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't get into Fantasia with your with your movie, but mm-hmm. the chances are very very slim. Mm-hmm. Very slim that you're getting into Fantasia with your $500 short film. Yeah. The chances are very slim because you have everybody volunteering. I mean, you know, unless you shoot that thing on Google Glasses ready and I don't know. No, not even that. Now. You need to have. No, I think. I think if it has a hook like that, like a new technology hook, it might. It, that, that helps. I, I think it's all about the story. You yeah. need to have. If you have a good story and you have a technology strong, hook. I don't mean a good story. You got to have a, a great, great story. story. If you want, if you want a festival like Fantasia to overlook your production value, mm-hmm. your shoddy production value, you want them to overlook that. You need to have a story that absolutely blows them away. Yeah. And I don't mean the story that you let your mom read or your wife read and she said, this is amazing. No, no. We're, we're literally talking about like Blair Witch where like, here's a found footage thing. I'm sorry, what kind of movie? Yes, it you didn't know? exist. <laughs> Blair Witch wasn't, it wasn't. A, it didn't even have a term. It did not exist before. There was no. maybe five found footage movies made in all of history before Blair Witch. Yeah, Halloween was the first slasher. Like, you know. Well, these, sort of. But sort yeah, of, yeah. It's I mean, considered the it's first considered slasher. It's considered the first but slasher. But Black Christmas was before yeah. that. You but, know? I mean, it has the title, so I'm going with the title. Yeah. This is, this is what we're talking about. Something that is revolutionary, something that is groundbreaking, yes. something that is... Something that they have not seen before yes. is what you need to do. Yes. You need to give them something. So, if you're going to go to that level, this is why you have to know what you're doing with the film mm-hmm. before you shoot it. What is your purpose? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many times we could say that. Yeah, I, don't I, think we're, I think we're wearing on people's ears with that, <laughs> that line already. I'm sorry. Yeah. So... Um, can we call it? Let's call it. I think we're going to call it then. Call it. Yeah, we'll call it this week. That's we'll call it the three questions that every director has to be able to answer. Which are? <laughs> you want me to say it again? Just what are the three questions? What are you doing with the film? Yep. Where is it going? Mm-hmm. I forgot the third. Yeah, I don't know the third. That's why I'm asking. Okay, so the two questions? <laughs> the two questions every director needs to know before making their film. Uh-huh. Where, what, are we, what, what are we doing with the film? What is the purpose of the film, and what are we doing with the film? Yep. That's what you ask yourself from the very beginning. Yep. And once you can answer those questions definitively, Mm -hmm. move forward with your film. Yes. Then you move into the who's going to work on this, how much are they going to work on it for? Yeah. <laughs> How long are they going to work gonna on it for? Where are we going to shoot this? Who's going to How are we going to shoot this? Yes, you need the who's, the what's, the when's, the where's, the why's. Yep. That's it. That's it. So, you want to take us out? I thought I just did with that. No, movie. no. I mean, out, out. Oh. Never well. mind. <laughs> Never mind. Thank you for listening to Filmmaking Sucks. Uh, we will see you hopefully again next week, depending upon my computer not breaking not again, throwing up on itself again. I don't even know if that made it into this podcast yeah. version. Yes, it did. Okay. It was the very beginning. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, 
You can follow us on Facebook, uh, Filmmaking Sucks Podcast. Actually, I think on Facebook, we're Filmmaking Podcast. Yeah, we are Filmmaking Podcast. We're Filmmaking Podcast. And I'm putting up inspirational quotes for everybody. Yes, so. yes. She's doing a good job with that. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Mass Gravette and Mass Grave. Um, MassGravePictures.com Mass has all the information. Yep, everything's on MassGravePictures.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play Music and... I don't know what other apps you use, what, what, whatever podcasting app you listen to, we're hopefully on there. And if we're not, let us know. And give us a review on any of them and all yes, of them. Yes, Give us a review on iTunes. That's the one that helps the most. Yeah. Get us, on, get, get, get us a review on iTunes. You know, give us a, click those five stars for us. Give us a good review. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, or whatever, uh, send it to filmmakingsucks at gmail.com. And keep sending me nice shout-outs on Twitter. They make my week. Yes, yes, yes. She's very active on Twitter. So if you want to talk to either of us directly, Twitter is the way to do it. Yes. Twitter is the way to get us because... Facebook has a horrible notification system. Oh, it has like math. It's, not it's terrible. Meh. Yeah. So yes, you want to talk to either of us to either of us directly with a quick something, or you like the show, you like it, share us on Twitter, and we're very active on that. So that's gonna do it this week for us. The filmmaking sucks. Thank you all for listening. Good luck and good night. And get out there, everybody, and make good films. <laughs>